Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Today is May 22nd, 2020, and this is EquipCast number 15. I'm Father Jeff Lorig, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Jansen, the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Father. Welcome. It's good everybody. to see you. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. We call this the EquipCast. It's a webinar, so it's sort of a webcast, but it's also a podcast. And we do it live every Friday at 3.30 Central Time, and... Uh, if you're not able to join us live, you can always subscribe to the podcast. Just search EquipCast, one word, uh, on your preferred podcasting platform. Never miss an update by subscribing to the podcast, or you can subscri- subscribe to our blog, equip.archomaha.org. Uh, so we call it our, our Equip site. We'll uh, send you registration reminders. We'll send you registration reminders. We'll have show notes for this podcast and all kinds of good stuff. So let's get right to it, Jim. Today we're talking about digital church. And I have been, uh, so at first, the story is, I have been thinking about, um, okay, our buildings are opening up. Yes. And church, church, the people are coming back to church. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they're also not really coming in droves. It's slow. Yeah, it's slowly. Very slow. And, And who knows if we could have sort of a, a resurgence of this whole COVID thing. I get, I get a little nervous about uh, whether we'll, we'll ever be able to really gather again, to really rely on mm-hmm. events, um, to gather people together. I, I, um, so yeah, I was really disappointed. I really struggled with this, um, quite honestly, I really got discouraged because I was thinking, okay, once things get back to normal, then I can, right. yeah, I can just, uh, we can have an event, we can get alpha going, blah, blah, blah. I had all these dreams and plans yeah. for, for what could happen in the church. And then the more and more I just think, Oh, I don't think that's going to be an option. And I and I'm like, oh, if that's not going to be an option, how how are we going to do church if we're not able to gather together? And granted, our buildings are there, but yeah. people are. I just I, I'm not convinced that uh, we'll we'll hit the same numbers we did a year ago. Uh, it'll just take a long time. Yeah. Well, if I, ever. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm you know I had an opportunity. <clears throat> uh, my church is uh, doing the the alphabetical. Right, so you know it was the uh, the Jays' uh, turn to go to mass, and man, there were there were fifty of us there. Mm-hmm. And I think what's, what's been dawning on me is whether or not we have the freedom, you know, because of restrictions and, and health requirements to come. Um, we just have to be honest. Some people may not want to. I mean, some people may not want to just because that they don't have you know the their health doesn't allow, and they're still struggling with fear or, or how how to do that, but. Let's be honest, there are a whole lot of people who whose faith life, you know, maybe wasn't as, as deeply rooted and they've just gone, you know, however long it takes to break a habit, they've they've just gone double that without right, without mass and the church and that community uh, being a part of their lives. And some of them haven't I mean, there's a real gap there, but not everybody feels that. And and not everyone's gonna come back. And so the main question I've been asking myself is, should we be planning to go back to normal church when this is all over, or should we keep investing in the ways in ways to improve our online ministry? And so mm-hmm. when I say online ministry, I'm sort of, it's the whole gambit. It's, right. uh, it's live streaming of the mass, uh, but it's also small groups, marriage prep, 
what, what, what religious ed, right? Community building, I mean, right, meetings where people gather together. I mean, sometimes we think about like living mercy online, but man, the, those folks that had like these online Zoom meetings, gathering people together, making plans to reach out to older members of the community and to call them and to set up, you know, to set up kind of grocery, uh, grocery services to help like provide that for people. Like that's, that's, I mean, you can live mercy online too. Yeah, so I have been uh, searching online uh, for tips on online ministry. I have been listening to podcasts, uh, reading blogs. I attended a, a, a conference on, on digital church uh, recently. and uh, A digital conference. It was a digital, digital conference. And Did they do digital digital? A yeah. Digital conference they on talked digital about church. the digital church digitally, um, but there were real people, I think. I suppose they were just bits and bytes. Yeah. <laughs> ones and zeros and ones, I think, is, is is really probably what they were, but they looked like people to me. But um, so I, yeah, I did a lot of research, uh, just thinking about the ways in which we could continue to do and invest in online ministry. And and what I the, the biggest thing that probably hit me was uh, this this sort of tip or this idea is that online doesn't have to be a supplement for church, which is the way we've always mm-hmm. treated it. It can actually be where church happens. So in fact, a lot of the evangelical churches think of their online platform as a campus. So they even yeah. have online campus pastors. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Father, that was true in my days. You know, when I when I worked with uh, Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, we had a digital campus. We had a whole team of missionaries that worked across the country, I mean, sometimes even across the globe, just dedicated to working online. And it was it was huge. The only thing that seemed odd about it was, um, especially now so, but even then, almost every campus had an online ministry because uh, particularly, you know, millennials and iGens, they're, it's right there, you know, their demographers call them like digital natives. They're just as comfortable online as they are in person. Actually, that's, that's, I'm speaking there. They're more comfortable online than they're in person. And missionaries on college campuses had to get really good at engaging people online because oftentimes, not that, you know, not that we rejoice in this, but they're, their in-person social skills had atrophied or maybe never developed so that that was the best place to reach them. But their online social skills are phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, some of the, uh, you reference this, but I think as we go through this mourning process where we realize, okay, things are not going to get back to normal. Uh, we're, we're being forced to make adjustments that are stretching us, that are uncomfortable, um, there's a lot that we've lost not being able to do things in person, but I think there's some upside to the online ministry that we often don't take into account. And one of those is people tend to be more honest online than they are in person. Um, and when you get people in a small group online, they tend to be more engaged. Um, so much so that like having you know lately myself and other team members planning some online events, we've been routinely way off in the timelines that we've allotted for small group discussion because everybody's way more engaged than we're used to in person. And I think a question a lot of churches might be asking, like, does Howells need to be interested in this? Does does uh, mm. uh, does uh, Norfolk's a much bigger church? Uh, right. Does the Sacred Heart in North Omaha, which really has a strategy for the neighborhood. And yeah. uh, so you're thinking, so that's, they have a strategy, they have sort of a mission. But then the question is, should every church be thinking about this? That's and, a good, yeah. And, and I think, uh, I, I don't think every church needs to be concerned about this. 
especially if if it's things sort of do get back to normal, mm-hmm. like if you're in a small town, um, I, I, I think maybe, you know, you can still have events and this or that, but if, but if it, yeah, if it does seem as though not many people are, are coming back at the same pace, then, then yeah, you, you we're going to have to really find ways mm-hmm. to connect with people. I just saw this weekend, um, or actually I see this, uh, next weekend, Memorial day weekend that St. Ledger's is going to be hosting online the Memorial day service, not just the mass, but like for the city. Oh, cool. I'm not totally sure what's going on. Like whether mm-hmm. they're the only place that kind of knows how to do this because they've been doing mass and stuff like that. But I, yeah. I did notice that they were going to be hosting it through their, their Facebook page. And, and of course the radio station is, yeah. is involved there as well, which the church runs. So they're kind of at the forefront. And you think, okay, well they've, they've said we're going to offer this service for the community. So, and in many ways it's, it's a small town. You think, well, what's, what's the reach? What's the strategy? Yeah. And, and really they're just trying to help that. I think the church there in Creighton, which I, where I used to be the pastor, the church has the strategy of like being a source of unity for the entire community. Yeah. Like um, they're Catholic or something. I know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it sort of fits in with, with, we don't want to be sectarian. We want to, I think we have great opportunity there. Yeah. So that's their strategy to, to help build community within the, uh, within that little town. Um, Sacred Heart in, Nor- uh, in, uh, in North Omaha. Again, it's all neighborhood. And yet what happened to them was when they started going online, now they have a very unique type of worship style and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people like it. Some people don't like it. It can be polarizing. But what they notice is as soon as they started showing what they do, they had tremendous uh, reach like all over the country. country yeah. Um, but what didn't happen was uh, the people in the neighborhood didn't really... I mean, mm. they didn't really reach the people in the neighborhood. So Father Korth really had to think differently or has to with his team think about what's the strategy here. Do we want to offer hope in this this sort of spirit of Sacred Heart to a larger, broader audience and really invest in that type of ministry? Mm. Or or do we keep focusing on the neighborhood or we do both? Yeah. Now, the, so it depends on your reach everything like yeah. should you do this or not it depends on your reach strategy well yeah well i mean it seems like what you're saying you're highlighting one of the one of the blessings of this is that online like whatever we do online should be just a reflection of our personal sense of like this is this is what god has called this community to be we have a particular mission we have a strategy reaching out uh, to that mission, right? Whether it be, you know, a, a neighborhood demographic within uh, zip codes around our parish or whether it's, whether it's way more spread out and it's, it's more of an age demographic, like whatever, whatever we're reaching out to, whatever our mission field is, this online strategy is, is just a part of that. And maybe, I mean, if we're honest, you know, so, some, whether it's a, a youth ministry or religious education or a parish at large, if we haven't had a real clear strategy, answering the question about the, just in general, the online question can actually help be a catalyst for us to say, like, who, who are we going after and how are we trying to connect with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously in the Catholic world, uh, our parishes are, are bound by boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so we really do think about the neighborhood in which that church is planted. Yeah. And the thing about the internet is there are no boundaries, right? It just yeah. goes. And, and, and then, and then people share, and it just spreads. It goes viral, right? In this this age Pretty of quick, viruses, yeah. uh, things go viral, and you can see how it all works. Um, so it's uh, um, the church really has relied on on events and programs and, and keeping the calendar busy. Uh, so it's important to 
have a strategy for, you know, before we're just kind of keeping, keeping people busy. So what's the, do we really have a strategy for reach? Like who are we trying to reach and how, and, and once we reach them, maybe we get them in our buildings, maybe we get them to watch a video, Mm-hmm. Then what do we do with them? So it, it, what you're saying is like our online strategy needs to reflect our in-person strategy. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this could be a whole nother show, but I would imagine as a church is thinking through both their online strategy and their overall strategy, there's questions like, okay, like what what are the needs of the people in this neighborhood? Like I love uh, Pope Benedict, um, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict uh, described evangelization in this way. He said, evangelization is the alleviation of poverty in all its forms. And so I can imagine like, as, as a, you know, assuming evangelization is, and, and the making of disciples is the core mission. Um, what, what's the poverty of our geography? What, what's the, what's the poverty of our neighborhood? Is it, is it like the affluenza where everybody's just like super affluent, um, but desperate and lonely and struggling for meaning in their life? Is it, is it a more of a material poverty? What, what's, what's the age group and the demographic? You know, I know, I mean, there's so many, when you talk about social media, that's a really wide spectrum. Um, if you've got a lot of baby boomers, you're probably going to want to lean more into Facebook, right? Because every grandma has Facebook to see their grandkids. That's where I'm at. But if you're, okay, that's, <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that, uh, right? But like, you know, if you've got an older demographic, maybe your online strategy is going to be leaning more into Facebook, whereas you have a really young demographic. Let's say you're an urban church with a lot of, you know, people in condos and apartments. Maybe you're looking more at things like Instagram. Um, it just depends on on who you're trying to serve. Or just Insta, as the kids say it. Just Insta, yeah. Uh, so, so you cool. need to clarify the vision, the mission field, the discipleship path, meaning like, so they're there, then what do you want to do with them? Hmm. You, need to, you need to identify all those things. And, uh, um, and then also just ask the question, what do you want to measure? Uh, who are we trying to reach? Where are we leading them? And, and are we measuring it? And I think what the online strategy begins to clarify for us is that, oh, maybe we should have been doing this in the in-person strategy as well. I just, right. I just recently asked a couple uh, priests and pastors, like, so what's your, what's the parish strategy for growing disciples here? Uh, a lot of crickets. It's yeah. like, well, you know, we, we, we do the best we can with the sacraments as they come up. So yeah. families come at our doorstep. And that's kind of been the strategy. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, but we're never going to reach new people if, right. if we're sort of waiting for them to want baptism. Um, well, and all this stuff is right. I mean, this is deep in our history, and particularly here in Nebraska, um, so much of the church was, it was an immigrant church where they came with the faith, uh, and they came seeking the sacraments, and we just kind of had to set up shop, and then everybody showed up. And if And if there was a pastoral problem related to numbers, it was how can we possibly care for all the people who want the the sacraments, who want to be you know, formed in the faith. Um, and that's that's not as much the world we're living in. Anymore. Yeah, so it's, it's nobody's fault that that was our strategy before because it totally worked. Like, yeah, well, it fit our... I mean, it was just born out of necessity. It fit the mission field. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just, yeah, just, I just think about like, I think about like Omaha's, like, you know, like huge Irish and Italian immigrant populations that were desperate uh, for the faith. I think about, you know, the German and Czech populations, communities sprinkled throughout Nebraska. And that's just, that's just not where we're at anymore. We're in a, we're in a different time. And we have to figure out how do we, how do we reach our mission field now? And then what, what role does online play in that? Yeah. So it's, um, 
it's not just about getting people into the building or getting people to watch videos. So think of mm-hmm. the, so our online strategy, we have to think about like, it's not just like, how can we get people to watch? But the same thing in the in-person strategy, it's not just how can I get people to my building? Although that's, that's hard enough. Right. But then I think to really think about, okay, they're there. What do you want to do with them? So, um, it's, uh, you you have to sort of clarify a path for people Mm -hmm. for they're there. Then what do you want them to do? This is where like online is is amazing because it's all about exchange and sharing and doing what it does best and engaging people. Um, so you can't just keep them busy with more and more events on the calendar. You have to help people take steps. And that's true uh, online and in person. And that's I think we really haven't really experienced that in the in-person way uh, of, of ministry strategy. And so maybe this digital opportunity will really help clarify things for us. So, yeah. but if, so, so let's say they're, they're watching your video. What, what would be a first step? A, f- a first step probably mm-hmm. is not going to be join your NFP class, your your natural family planning class. Like, hey, or, or let's let's. This uh, is someone who's just showing up, right, for like uh, the liturgy or whatever. So it's just like a simple large large event online. You're you're saying next step for them, given right the statistics about where people at, it's too big of a jump to like go into an NFP class. Right now, does that mean you shouldn't offer them? Of course, you'd offer them, but like if that's the st- the path, like, okay, welcome to our church, or we know you're kind of disengaged. You know, even the people who are kind of showing up for mass, it's about 70% um, of those who are showing up for mass are disengaged. Yeah, which... Um, So, but you you can maybe... My my seat does it. I can't see that as clearly from my seat because I'm mostly looking at the back heads, but (laughs) those who are are looking at people's faces uh, can can see it. Yeah, so being active does not always mean engaged. And so we just have to sort of assume the mission field is people who who just need to take a baby step um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, people who are, have, you might know their name, but they've kind of been somewhat anonymous, just helping them to move from kind of a spectator to a participator. So can you give an example? Like, what does that look like? What would be a baby step? Again, let's say we're talking about, you know, most we're talking churches, online. Yeah. Most churches yeah. have, so they, most churches, not all, but have some sort of online uh, presence. Maybe it's a, maybe it's just the homily, you know, a video recorded, or maybe it's, you know, maybe they're live streaming the, the liturgy. What's a baby step for people who are just, you know, they're kind of in a consumer mode. They're just there, they're watching. Um, they've shown up, praise God, but there's, there, there's nothing else uh, coming, coming after that. What's a, what's a baby step for them? We're not inviting them to NFP yet. So what, what's, what's in between? Yeah, I think if they're just online watching a mass, then I think you want to engage them through comments. So, through the chat box mm. or the comment box, whatever. I think that's a first step. Like don't like, it's like the, the digital foyer where like, or when we just like, like when my family, we get in the van and we just start to, you know, critique the homily. That's what you're suggesting. <laughs> no <laughs> happens in the comment box. It's, it's about, uh, really just in, in, so let's say you're doing the live mass. So father might say at the beginning, you know, welcome. That's one thing you're engaging the audience, yeah. but then he might say, Hey, if you're online, we'd really love it if you checked in and let us know um, which families are watching. So check in online. So that's yeah. a step. Yeah. You go, people go from anonymous to a little bit more engaged. Um, well, and you can have right digital us- ushers, I know, has been a thing where there's people who are welcoming people. They don't need help finding a seat, but sometimes orientation to just, you know, making sure they've got the sound and the picture right and just, just being acknowledged. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal when people show up 
and when you show up and, and you're not just anonymous. Yeah. And so the phrase that keeps coming up is don't just let church be a spectator sport. Let the, let it be a participator sport. Uh, it's move them from spectator to participator. Mm-hmm. And that's true online and in person. Right. And I think that's the deepest longing we all have as, as pastoral ministers is we don't want to just be able to spectate. We want them to participate in this mission of church. So how, yeah. doing that is small steps like getting them to wave or do a thumbs up or type in something. Hey, the, the Jansons are here. Yeah, change the name, right? Instead of instead of Jim's computer, uh, it I, I change it to like, oh, Jansen family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that. You know, everything you're saying, Father, it seems like we're getting... We're getting back to the fundamentals, like what, like why does the church exist, and that like the full maturity of individual disciples, right? Helping people first make a commitment to Jesus Christ, um, but then helping them really mature so they find their own place and their own mission in this world, the the little extension of right of the gospel that they're supposed to be. It seems like we've lost sight of that in part because. You know, we we were so, our our ancestors were so overwhelmed with all of the immigrant Catholics coming in, and uh, maybe to some degree we've we struggled with kind of creating a, a consumer model of church where people just come and they they get their church and then they leave, and rediscovering no what what do we want? We our role is to help these people reach their full maturity in Christ, find their personal mission, find the way that they're supposed to the the place that the Lord has called and gifted them to embody the gospel. Um, it seems like online ministry is just helping us rediscover the fundamentals of good pastoral ministry. Yeah. So it's it uh, so beyond uh, some small steps like getting people to raise their hand or do some emojis uh, through the comment, uh, y- you do, you do want to move people from from being the anonymous person who just happened to view your video to sharing a little bit more. So mm-hmm. so a little bit. Let's go beyond raising their hand or checking in, um, but you don't want to rush it too fast. Uh, you always want to offer them something of value and helpful before you ask them to share a little bit more. So it might just be, um, mm. uh, I don't know, just uh, just in a way you can be helpful. A next step, like what would you like to offer them? Maybe it's an, an email course. That's mm-hmm. like like Matthew Kelly does sort of like best lend yeah. ever is an email course. Well, and you know, you talk about helpful. I'm reminded uh, again of a parish uh, in Colorado. I have some friends that go to. It's, uh, they talk about, right, their mission field, right? You know, evangelization is the alleviation of poverty in all its forms. It's a really unique parish where it's situated in a very affluent neighborhood and right in like kind of like the the boundary markers, uh, there's a ton of payday loan and kind of like the predatory lending practices. And so you you talk about like a first step. And one of of the things this church decided to do is to lean into their ministry. They've got all these people who are white collar, financial planners, uh, very affluent. And then they've got a ton of people that are really being preyed upon by these predatory loan places. So they, they decided to offer Financial Peace University as like one of their concrete outreaches to the community. They're like, we've got all these people that are perfect table leaders. We have, we have this large, we have this huge number of people who could use it. So they offer that, like, do you want to be free? Do you, are you feeling enslaved? Uh, are you going paycheck to paycheck? They offer this course as a way to draw people in. I think with the conviction that the gospel really enlivens every aspect of human life. And that when people taste, right, the a little bit of the kingdom in their finances or in their family life, that that 
can, that we can use that to draw them to the source, right? Ultimately to the person of, of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So it's just, it could do to be a very helpful step, especially nowadays when people are out of jobs, uh, people are really pulling back. Uh, it sounds like yeah. uh, deflation is going to be a thing here, maybe yeah. uh, for a while in our economy. To go back to my economics 101. I, I had to read about it in the newspaper this, this weekend uh, about deflation. Um, but the, so it might be something that really helps people and it's a next step for them. So, yeah. so don't think of it as like, oh, it's one thing that we offer amongst a thousand other things. Like that just, yeah. when you give them so many options, then they don't know what to do. But if you say, this is this is a next step, clarify the path is, mm-hmm. is the phrase that we're going to use. Yeah. Um, well, who's our mission field? Yeah. And what's the ultimate destination? Well, we want them to reach full maturity in Christ. But what are the, what are those baby steps that we're going to help them get there? Yeah. And is it for everybody? No, fine. You know, obviously there's lots of people, but there's lots of people in the parish that, that, that know how to budget and you'd be surprised uh, the number of people don't, but, um, but, mm-hmm. the, but it, so it's not for everybody. Like, yeah, don't think about it that it's for everybody. Like not everybody's at the same place spiritually. Um, so, um, we're, we're just really trying to be helpful to reach those people who maybe have never mm-hmm. been reached out to before. Well, and that's, you just, you said something like, we're not going to reach everybody. And I feel like for many, many of us, whatever your role is, right, youth ministry, religious education, pastor, whatever, like, oh man, the thought of like not reaching everybody, particularly from a Catholic worldview, where like literally our name (laughs) means everybody, universal. That's hard, but I think, I think there's some consoling things in that, in that one, not every demographic, like not every demographic is equal in its impact on others. Meaning if you reach millennial parents, um, yeah, these are parents with like kindergartners and first graders, and I don't know, probably I haven't done the math, but you know, maybe, maybe up to like third graders. If you reach them, you're going to reach not only their kids, but the rest of their kids and their social network for 30 years. Um, if you, you know, if, if you can reach out to certain demographics, and ultimately this has to be the fruit of prayer, they have a ripple effect on the rest of the, the rest of the community. And it's hard for us to think in those terms, but Jesus thought in those terms. But it, so, but it's also a way. Like, if you're going to run Financial Peace University, this is not. We're not paid by Dave Ramsey at all. No. Although Dave, yeah, you Dave, know. if you're listening, yeah, <laughs> there's. I think there's well, a there's a Catholic version of it as well. Go to the show notes for the uh, for the address, Dave. But, but it's just an example. But you can also have some of your your parish uh, volunteers run it. Yeah. Um, so there might be somebody on your staff that helps coordinate it, but th- you don't. You don't want to hire people to run programs. You want to hi- hire people to lead teams. Mm-hmm. So that's another podcast in and of itself. Yes. Um, and so that team of the the financial peace team uh, is basically running it, but there's somebody coordinating it on your staff. Um, so you're engaging other people in, the, in that service to others. Mm-hmm. So it's just, and can you do all this online? I'm pretty sure you can. I'm sure you can run this course online. Yeah. I know you can do alpha online. You well, can, right. Again, people are more honest and more engaged in online ministries, small groups than they are in person, which is totally verified by my experience. I mean, you know, Craig Dyke from the Family Life Office has talked about like how engaged couples are in their marriage prep retreat that they do now that they're doing online. And gosh, like that's actually a dream, right? If you're if you're a minister in the church, having people more engaged and more honest, like man, that's that's the stuff of dreams. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, and that's the stuff you can measure. And that's, that's the other question that I'm hearing a lot from, from the pastors. How do we know whether we're, we're winning in an online ministry world? Like basically I've got all these numbers and it looks like we're winning. 
but are we really winning? Yeah. Oh, I've heard people say that like our mass attendance is more than double. <laughs> our online mass attendance is more than double than it would have been uh, than it would have been in person. Um, and I, you know, my initial thought is like I think some of that is real. I think some of that is slated. Father, how do we sort that out? Like, what what are the numbers that we should be paying attention to? Yeah. Well, um, I'll, I'll answer that in a little bit. But yeah. So you have views. You know, views of your videos. Right. There's watch times. So you have, you should really kind of balance all that out. But it ultimately depends on what you've decided what success looks like. Is success to get people to watch? Then do something that attracts attention. Uh, if success mm. means engaging people and take, getting them to take next steps, measure that. Mm. Um, but ultimately, only, only measure the, the stuff, only measure a ministry if that will help you make decisions about what to do next. Um, mm. So only the numbers that help you make decisions are the relevant numbers. So uh, they used to ask Don Clifton, the founder of Clifton Strengths, mm -hmm. Gallup founder or whatever. Nebraskan. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, they used to ask him, like, how many times should we uh, do this survey? And he said, only as, as, only as many times as you want to do something with the numbers. Yeah. So don't just look at it for the sake of looking at it. It should inform decisions. So again, whatever helps you to do that. Now, I had the opportunity to go through the numbers there at uh, Sacred Heart in North Omaha with Father Korth, and they were able to kind of break it down by like their masses with uh, the piano player uh, and then masses wow. with their freedom choir. So if you're not familiar with the freedom, yeah. freedom choir, that's a, an experience unto itself. Uh, it'll blow you away. Highly recommended. Uh, just don't come in thinking that you're going to get a Gregorian chant, right? Just you need to let those expectations go, but it, it's loud and it's fun and it's, it's joyful. Um, but so, but what they noticed online is that, uh, their numbers are much higher with the piano player and the, wow. and the free, freedom choir is actually polarizing and actually you get more dislikes, even though I would say that's the thing you want to experience. Um, yeah. If you're going to go to sacred heart, you gotta go, go, <laughs> yeah. go for the freedom choir. <laughs> yeah. Um, and That's fascinating. So those numbers inform like, well, should we, should we be, should we continue? Which mass do we want to live stream? Yeah. Which choir is on? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I also think about, I mean, you're like getting back to like the goal. Like, so, okay. So if we have some event, let's say there's a, you know, a talk on marriage or there's, it's a, it's a mass. And then we have, we've decided, okay, a little baby step from this is we want to, we want to invite people right to digital donuts after mass. We're going to have some, you know, coffee and donuts and have a conversation. One of the things you'd want to track is how many people show up at, at donuts. Um, how, you know, and then that helps you decide how well did we promote this? Is that the right next step for people? But this, this requires a forethought that I think for many of us isn't natu natural. We're, we're not just thinking, how do I pull this event off? But what does this lead to? And how does this help somebody mature and be drawn deeper into their relationship with Christ and, and with this community? Yeah. Uh, so in the uh, marketing world, there are two types of uh, metrics they talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, one is called vanity metrics and another is, is called conversion metrics. Is that like cosmetic purchases or what? Tell me about vanity metrics. Vanity is just how many people are reading your blog or watching your video. Number or, of people, just like the yeah, views? Number of people, views. Likes too or no? Likes, those would okay. all be. Um, conversion metrics have to do with how you're leading people to make decisions. Ah, okay. Which fits, I think, real nicely. Can you, yeah, I mean, conversion metrics, like you're speaking my love language, Father. This is great. <laughs> so what is it, what's an example of a conversion metrics? Because we're not talking about like waterless online baptisms here, are we? We're, what, what is a conversion metric? 
So this is, uh, it comes from the study or the, the field of uh, marketing and it's called inbound marketing. Mm-hmm. And sort of the, there's kind of the old communication. I don't know if it's old, but I'm sure people still do it, but like the way we understand marketing and how I've always understood it is like, you know, you just blast your message out there. We're out there. Right. We're out there. And, and, but if you want to do inbound marketing, it's more you you blast out to attract and pull them in to make a decision, and that is mm. basically to get it like a click. Okay. So, or if you want them to join a course, if you have an email course you want to you want to do with them this summer, uh, if you want the kids to participate in some sort of online camp this summer, like that that's that's the conversion. Get them to make a decision to engage in the next step. So it's a registration, it's a joining a group, it's a it's things a like that. Download this family guide for for the week to go right. with, family you know. prayer guide. Yeah. So like if you get get a, an, an outstanding homily over the weekend, great. Hypothetically. Awesome. I mean so a vanity measure would be like when people tell you, oh, great, great homily, Father. Thumbs oh, that up. was just, and then it turns out the deacon gave it. Close. <laughs> those, those are the worst. Uh, Hypothetical story. Yeah. <laughs> Not a real example. Uh, so that's vanity. Like, it, it gives you a little bit of feedback and, and maybe make decisions on it. I, I wouldn't make decisions based on what people tell you after Mass. Right. Now, with neat, what's neat with, if, with online is, like, let's say you give an outstanding homily and you make an ask for, like, I'd really love for you guys to take some of this home with you and do something with it. Sure. So if you want to download, we put together, uh, you know, a family family prayer guide for Memorial Day. Bingo. Yeah. Boom. Okay. Yeah. So that that's that's conversion. Um, but I feel like these things are uncomfortably aptly named, <laughs> vanity and conversion. Like, yeah. So here's the thing though about online is that uh, it's not a captive audience. It's not like, you know, when you get them in the church, like they have to stay there to the end. For yeah, the most there's part. no, yeah, it's it's not nearly, I mean, it's not nearly as awkward to leave an online service early as it is to leave in person early. Yeah, people leave all the time. So I, I don't feel uh, guilty at all about leaving mass early. Like, so I'll be scrolling and watch Father Taylor or Father Korth or Father Hands, you know, name, I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably following 24 different parishes online uh, through Facebook. And, um, and you're probably not going to recommend that we do the, <clears throat> that we do the equivalent of like right uh, station the associate or the ushers to give people dirty looks as they're leaving online. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Nobody, so if that's nobody not cares. an option, what what do we what do we do or <laughs> just, how do we respond? Just to so that? you know, what am I listening for? What when I watch when I do click on, I'm listening to see how the audio sounds. <laughs> audio quality. Yeah. Right. Just to say, okay, you picture looks good, light looks okay, but can I hear you? And have yeah. you done anything extra to to get to help people to hear you? So that's that's a more of a I don't know, uh, just the practical side of things. So something to think about. Um, but so the point why I was trying to make was that online is not a captive audience. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to ask them to do something, don't wait to the announcements at the end. Ask them really yeah. early. Like oh we gosh, have this huge, we have this guide for you. Say it in the, in the, don't say welcome to this mass. If you want to get more out of this, uh, we have, I have a homily outline. If you want to kind of see where I'm getting these quotes and how I came up with this and the background of the story, whatever, you know, Go to go to right. our, our page. Sort of, you give permission to people to um, search the internet during your homily. Yeah, well, and and also like <laughs> you're letting online. them know that there is a next step. Like there's you know there's research that shows that particularly younger generations like they're attracted to causes, right? They want a sense of mission. They want to be engaged. They want somebody to give them something to do. And I think what you're saying is like really early on. You communicate that this is this is going somewhere. Yep. This is going to ask something of you. It's a next step. Yeah. And then that's I think the stuff you really want to measure. 
Um, okay, so, so let me let me ask you a question. Okay. Kind of like changing gears here, right? There's there is so much noise online, and it seems like most of our conversation has kind of focused on people who are already showing up for something, right? They're showing up for the liturgy. They're showing up for, um, uh, you know, a, a marriage course or a talk or meditation or whatever it is that they're showing up for. And I think we get now, okay, I want to help them take the next step. But how do you, how do you reach those who are unconnected? How do you reach those people who are unchurched or the nuns, um, not little women in habits, right? But like like people with no religious affiliation. How do you reach them online? Because it's one thing to help build people up online. It is a totally other thing to reach people who are already who are who are just unconnected online. Like, how do you do that? Uh, you can't. Okay, uh, great. Thanks for coming, everybody. Yeah, you won't. You won't be able to do that. You won't be able to reach them. Right? It's just yeah. the impossible. There's so much noise. And the algorithm is so crazy. Like you could sponsor ads on Facebook, you know, mm. to, to, to reach people in your neighborhood. You could certainly do that. Uh, I see those uh, all the time. Um, so you won't be able to do it as, as the institution. You won't be able to reach those unconnected, unchurched people. But you know who can? The, the people in your pews or mm. your virtual pews. Like the people who are, who are gathered there every Sunday, they're the neighbors and friends and colleagues of the people who are unconnected, and yeah. and unengaged. So unchurched. you're saying it's not the job of let's say if you're fortunate enough to have a communications coordinator on staff, or if you've got right, if you've got you know for your religious education, somebody owns kind of like the communication for your youth ministry or whatever. You're saying that person's job isn't to try and engage unchurched kids into the into the ministry or to get you know mm-hmm. people in the neighborhood who aren't members of your per- parish. That person's job is to help the members of the parish or the kids that are coming to youth group to bring others. Yeah, so this is a great time to mobilize people already connected to your church. Give them a job, wow. give them a task, get them to share and invite, but but also as an institution, give them something remarkable. Give them something good to share. Um, right? If, it's just so, if it's like a, a bland sort of like hey mass is at 10 30 and then they share it on their facebook uh, give them give them like a snippet of your homily give them a yeah. snippet of of uh, some saint saying or something like that yeah. well uh, and i'd even i'd even raise raise it a little bit i think if you if you're trying to engage your participants right whether it's again families or kids in in youth ministry or parishioners i think you have to be courageous enough to ask the question what would you be excited to invite your your like your non churchy friends to attend? Yeah, because sometimes sometimes we we just we have this blind spot and we want we expect you know that like hey invite all your non you know your unchurched friends to mass and like that's just not helpful. They're like the mass is made for insiders and at a very intuitive level, even if they personally love the mass, they probably have an awareness that like this is not this is not the first step for you know, for my, for my friend from, from school. Yeah. A little tip uh, from another book I read called the church growth flywheel. And I mean, the, I would say the main theme of the book is if you want your church to grow, you have to be remarkable, meaning Mm. people have to remark about it. If there's nothing remarkable, no one will ever say anything or ever share anything. Mm -hmm. So that challenges us to think about our homilies, to think about our programming that we're Mm -hmm. offering 
Um, but when you're thinking, yeah, well, but I don't think you're not, when you say remarkable, you're not saying like, okay, that this needs to be, that it needs to be flashy or that it needs to be, you know, kind of like this cheap, I think, I mean, when you said that, what, what popped to mind is this line from Pope Francis in Evangelii Gaudium, where he calls preachers to meditate on the word of God and to meditate on their people. And as we think about like, okay, what, who's my target audience? What do they need to hear? I think that's, it's that reflection, like what do people need to hear now? Where are people's hearts and minds? Where's the, where are their fears and hopes and anxieties? And if we can spend some time speaking to that, man, that is, the, the gospel is still powerful if we're speaking to people's hearts and minds. Yeah, and to the point where they, they remark about it. So the yeah. best thing you, I, to, again, it's for sort of a vanity metric for sure, but I always feel like the best compliment I can get like at a wedding Mm. is when I when I give the homily and I speak about marriage and love in a way and, and tie it to the to love and the marriage mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ to us and then people remark about it afterwards unchurched people that like and then they say they say it to their friends uh, and then the friends say it to me like the church people they'll say father like that was an amazing homily um, my my family who hasn't been to church in in a decade said like my goodness I've never I've never heard marriage be talked about in that yeah. way so again it's sort of a vanity thing um but i but at least it's sort of people were remarking about it they were talking about it and it becomes remarkable right and but if it's, it's not remarkable it's not speaking to them in a way that's really meeting their needs yeah well it gives people enthusiasm yeah. i mean fundamentally those who are coming um even without any sort of training and evangelization, unless you're you're just totally clueless, there's the, there's this intuitive sense where you just know, um, man, that guy in the cubicle next to me is just not. This is not going to fly with him. Um, but when when they find something that will, they're like, oh man, this is like Dave would love to hear this. That that fundamentally, when when we give them something that they know will touch the hearts and minds of their friends and neighbors and coworkers then they can actually do that and they can start to bring uh, outsiders in that we could never reach otherwise. Yeah. So some final thoughts about yeah. digital church. Number one, don't copy and paste. Don't copy and paste uh, what's what you do live into a digital format. It really, right. it really doesn't work. I mean, it's great that people are sort of watching and tuning in, but the novelty is sort of over. So you can't mm-hmm. fake the feeling of, of being in person online. You have to lean into what makes digital great, and that's exchange and sharing. Mm. Uh, so again, don't just, it's, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, it reminds me of the phrase, right? You know, it's like, if you're going to do social media, then be social with your media. Right. Consider being social with it. Uh, I, I actually practiced that this, this, uh, this recently and posted something on Facebook and thought, okay, I'm instead of just sort of being a me monster and just like, Hey, look what I did. (laughs) I, when people commented, I engaged in, in socially with them and I said, oh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing or blah, blah, blah. Thanks for saying that. And then yeah. I would ask them a question mm. and then they would respond and then they would ask a question. And it was just, it was being social. And it was just like, it occurred to me like, oh, okay. And it's then I think conversation. Mm, as an introvert, I got a chance to think about my answers. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have to just blah, 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 blah. And, and like kick myself. Like, why did I say that? Devil, well. The devil uh, guess myself. Um, so, uh, so great online churches create participators, 
not spectators. Hmm. Uh, they call um, they call their spectators to action. So there's again, these are final thoughts. There's yeah. plenty of content out there. Um, you can actually help create community by calling people to action. Hmm. Another final thought is church is designed to be a community, not a show. So get people to take next steps, hmm. uh, even if it's simply giving th- a thumbs up. Uh, you need to comment back. You reap what you sow. Uh, hmm. n- Again, nobody wants to be a me monster, um, but we sort of do that online a lot. We're so all guilty of that. So show up in relationships. Um, something about comments is, is just that um, never miss an opportunity to have a to turn a comment into a conversation. Yeah. That's so huge. and it doesn't always have to be you, Father, right? It doesn't always have to be. Well, it couldn't possibly be. I mean, depending I on not. the size of your community. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, encourage and invite reaction from your audience. Show up in your relationships. Um, again, the, the old way of, uh, I should say the, the old way, like, so radio was a big deal here in, in, in the world. And yeah, then Johnny Carson. And then TV happened. And the way in which there was a transition from radio to TV is they simply put a camera on a radio show. Yeah. And, and then they finally discovered, like, oh, let's just do, let's, Let's find out what's unique about TV and do that. So yeah, I think you see s- that when you watch like the really old shows. It, yeah, it was that, I, that's I'd never thought of that before. But yeah, it was a radio show on TV, and then it started to evolve. It became more visual, and the unique gifting of the visual medium that TV was. It took a while to unfold, and the and I would say the unique gift of of the digital medium is is the exchange and the sharing that that can happen things can go viral very quickly right because it's not just video there's an interaction and a sharing and an inviting and a communal nature that's huge yeah father just one one thing before we close here can we just talk i know a lot of folks and this is you know this has come up with folks that i've talked to a conversation they're thinking like okay but the you know the mass is like nothing's ever going to take the place of the mass and that in-person experience. Um, and I think if, if I'm hearing you right, like we're not, we're not saying, you know, that, yeah, that it, that it actually could be uh, eliminated. I mean, there's something, yeah, by analogy, there's something about like a concert, whatever, whatever music you're into, whether it's Omaha Symphony or whether it's Greta Van Fleet, like whatever music you're into, Nothing is going to take the place of the experience of being in community with people where the music is live and you can feel the bass and you can, yeah, you can see the expression on the musicians. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to take that place. I mean, again, the mass is such a sensory experience. But we have to remember, most people don't go to a concert until they first listened to something digitally, right? They, they've listened on Spotify or they, you know if they're really old school, they actually bought a CD. Like people don't, people don't go to the experience until they've experienced uh, the music online and probably at the recommendation of a friend. Um, and I think in similar fashion, we can still assert you know, the, the beauty and the irreplaceable value of the in-person uh, experience of the liturgy. But we can understand a lot of the online things as things that lead up to that and things that follow from that. I mean, I, at least I know for me, you know, even if I'm already a fan of some music, if I go to a concert and I experience it in person, like that just, that just redoubles, right? My, I mean, my, the, the amount of times that I listen to that, that music dramatically increases once I've had that experience. And so we can think of, you know, it's not like any of this stuff replaces the mass. It just helps to precede it and deepen the experience afterwards. Yeah, Absolutely.
Good thoughts. All right, we should wrap up. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Pentecost and mission yeah. and prayer. And basically, don't do evangelization without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But then There's, also, like, let's take some lessons from, from, from the early church and the way in which the Holy Spirit really guided them and led them to, uh, on their mission. Yeah. So I think there's a formula. I've been you know, looking at that, and there's some, uh, maybe formula is a little bit strong, but maybe there's a recipe that you look at the moment of Pentecost, and there's some things there that I think the Lord has, yeah, put us in a position uh, to really uh, experience the the spirit anew. So that'll be fun to talk about that. Yeah, so that'll be next week, Friday at 3.30, and uh, we'll be sending out a registration link at equip.archomaha.org. And if you uh, would like to receive those updates right in your inbox so you never miss an episode, you never miss uh, some rambling we might have, uh, then Priceless. Go priceless rambling of good insightful content uh yeah just go ahead and subscribe to the to the blog that's the easiest way to stay connected and and i think uh we do have some show notes after this Mm -hmm. this one and so we're going to be measuring yeah measuring how many people take a look at those but also um i think we have a a conversation we have a next step yeah like our goal is that this conversation helps you start a conversation um so you know if this is helpful you're you're free to uh, please share it with other people. But we've we've also created a little conversation guide so that, you know, whether it's your religious ed team or youth ministry team, uh, pastoral team at a parish, you can ha- you can have a conversation and say, hey, what's what is our online strategy? What's our what's our ministry strategy in general? And just to kind of dive in some of the questions that help shape today's conversation. All right. See you all next week. God bless.